Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Podcast. Uh, I'm Steve, and we're here with my co-host, Brett. Um, It is Sunday, March 6th. This is officially March, and I'll be the first one to admit, I'm I'm still sitting here on the Sunday night trying to comprehend uh, what just happened over the course of the last... 10 hours or so in the Big Ten. Uh, and of course, the number one thing on my mind is the hottest team of the conference is all of a sudden you're Nebraska Cornhuskers, but we're going to get to that and, and so much more. Uh, Brett, where is your head after the crazy day of basketball? Really crazy week of basketball we've had to finish out the season. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's just limited to today. It's been, it has been a wild week front to back in the Big Ten. Uh, and so from a from a personal standpoint, my still overwhelming shock is that your Wisconsin Badgers are co-champions of the Big Ten. Uh, I, I touched on this last week, but I mean, what a what a what a wild ride for this team. Uh, you know, the media overwhelmingly overwhelmingly projected them to finish 10th in the conference. We had them here at sixth and we uh, some of us were not super sure about that even. And uh, they 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 will raise a banner. Uh for this, for this season. And, uh, that is, that is where I'm at personally. I think holistically, um, I mean, just what a, what a crazy week. Um, you know, I think, I think coming into today, even, you know, I, I have been, I have been pretty much down on Iowa this entire season and they had a chance to, to earn a double buy today. Um, you know, we had, we had, we had Michigan playing playing relatively well, um, and Illinois uh, looking to uh, share the conference title, which they ended up doing. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. But yeah, just honestly, like we saw this week a lot of very high quality basketball, uh, top to bottom, and it just makes for what is sure to be a fun five days in Indianapolis coming up. Well, yeah, a lot's taken there. Uh, not sure I agree with everything that just came out of your mouth, but that's that's why we're here with you for the next 30 to 40 minutes here. Um, and, and on the, the note of your first point, we'll, we'll really start at the top here, uh, go through the week that was, and then give you a, a little bit of a preview of the tournament that will take place over the course of the next week. Um, so, so starting at the top with Wisconsin. So, uh, rewind all the way back to Tuesday. Feels like a lifetime and ago. Wisconsin, you know, probably feels like they're the team of destiny. Um, what was was not that pretty of a game against Purdue, but we had a couple of banked shots at the end of their game, kind of both teams going back and forth, making big shot. And Wisconsin ends up winning on a bank three by Chucky Hepburn to clinch them a share of their title. Um, as of Tuesday, Brett, what were your thoughts on how that game ended? I mean, I think I think a, a bigger I think talking point is how that game started. Um, and, you know, Jaden Ivey ended up with 22 points, uh, ended up with a pretty good stat line, but honestly looked lost for most of the game. He would kind of get into the lane and get in the air and lose his mind. It, there were there were a bunch of shots he should have taken within probably 10 feet of the basket that were relatively open, but. I don't really know what was going through his head, but he kind of sleepwalked through the first half of that game and also missed six free throws. Um, you know, the a relatively uh, a, a Purdue team that shoots 
pretty well, um, all things considered, from the line mostly. Eh, actually, no, never mind. They're, they're only about 71%. But, I mean, they were 11 of 20 from the line. And, you know, in a game you lose by three on a banked-in banked in shot, uh, that will really kind of make you feel bad. Um, and Stefanovic also got to a, got out to a really hot start. I believe he had, uh, I think, nine points pretty much right away in that game. Uh, and then, you know, ended up with 11 for the game. Uh, so it was shut down basically all second half. But this is a game where, you know, the, the guys you paid to see, uh, the guys that there were a lot of NBA scouts in the crowd to see, you know, they showed up at the end and, and, and made plays down the stretch. You know, the Badgers had three guys with over 15 points, didn't get much help from the bench, but it was one of those ones where, the going got tough and they were able to pull out a win um, and, you know, call it luck, call it being prepared for close games or whatever. But they ended up with a share of the title of a title against a, a top 10 opponent. Even Johnny Davis uh, called that some bullshit after the game, which is amazing. Funny. Yeah, very, very funny. So as Tuesday, Wisconsin sitting there um, in the outright lead for the conference only needing a win at home against Nebraska to win the conference outright um, today. And Wisconsin could not pull that off. Um, Nebraska is the hottest team in the conference right now. They've won three in a row. They also beat Ohio state in Columbus earlier this week. Um, so you have a Nebraska team that has been searching for their identity all year, seems to have found it. Um, you know, they are well in the like, seller just as far as major power conference teams uh, this win did put them into the the 13 seed for the the conference but I, I think the bigger story here is you know wisconsin not being able to seal the deal um and they dropped to the two seed because of things that we'll talk about in a second but uh, how do you describe kind of and contrast wisconsin's performance today against nebraska compared to what we've seen from them most of the season yeah, I mean, it was it was basically night and day. They they came out slow. They turned the ball over seven times in the first, I believe, ten minutes. Uh, um, and they you know they tightened it up after that. But you you can't give a team with offensive firepower like Nebraska that many you know just extra possessions in a game. Uh, and you know it was a game where Alonzo Verge was really clicking from from mid range. He was nine nine for thirteen from from two and was basically just giving giving Wisconsin hell. But and, you know, the Wisconsin climbed back into it and had a ended up with a nine point lead with a, with a, a bit to go in the game, but um, just couldn't make shots down the stretch. I believe they missed they made their last field goal with like just under six minutes left in the game uh, coming up, coming up empty on almost all of their last nine possessions. I believe eight of their last nine possessions. And, you know, you have to you have to make shots to win. Um, and they they could not do it, even though the defense definitely tightened up in the second half. But. You know, the early start was a lot to overcome and they kind of ran out of gas down the stretch. Um, and obviously the important the most important thing is that that Johnny Davis went down with an injury on, that uh, on a flagrant two foul by Trey McGowan's, which I, you know, if you're looking down at someone as you smack them in the face, that's probably a flagrant two. This all could have been avoided if the ref called a trip when it happened, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so D- Johnny Davis goes down. It looks very bad. He limps off. Uh, the word now is that it's just a sprained ankle. Um, and obviously like those can take time to heal and we'll see what his availability is like, but I think that's the best case scenario for, for Badger fans. Cause it looks like it wasn't a knee injury and it looks like it wasn't a head injury cause he took a, took a pretty hard shot across the face and then flew into the stanchion. Um, so I think, I think Wisconsin kind of panicked a little bit, especially the last three, four minutes without Davis there. Um, but they did get some pretty good looks against 
the Nebraska zone, including a bunch of layups that they just failed to convert. Uh, they were 13 of 20 uh, for for layups on the day, and uh, that's not going to get it done. So a complete 180 for Wisconsin this week, um, which is going to be emblematic of how several other kind of Big Ten teams played this week. So Wisconsin goes one for two, and they really should have gone two for two. Um, Purdue, who kind of suffered at the hands of uh, Wisconsin's dramatic win on Tuesday, they bounced back to fend off Indiana on Saturday in a uh, effort where they, you know, they, they didn't really have their best, but they, they found a way to beat their rival and extract revenge over Indiana's win earlier this year. Not going to talk too much about that game, but, you know, Purdue, all things considered, you know, probably had the, the most predictable outcome of the week, given that that game against Wisconsin was in Madison. Going one for one is probably fine, but that lands them in the number three spot for now. The other team that we haven't talked about that much yet is Illinois. Uh, Illinois came into this week with two home games, uh, home game against Penn State and a home game against Iowa. Uh, they did not look good against Penn State at all, uh, as is the case when most most teams have played them either in <laughs> Happy Valley or, or, or not. But uh, putting that game aside for now, um, that game that they just finished off a little bit ago against Iowa to uh, secure a share of the conference title as a result of Wisconsin's loss to Nebraska. I, I, I wouldn't call it a, a well-played game, but it was definitely one of the wackier games that we've seen over the course of the year where Iowa had a 15-point lead um, in in the first half, Illinois came back. Iowa missed seven free throws in the last three minutes. Kofi didn't really do much down the stretch. Curbelo fouled out, fouled out um, and Iowa had a shot at the end to tie slash uh, to, to tie the end in the overtime and to take the lead. But Illinois ends up holding on for dear life and now sits as the number one seed um, in the conference tourney. Brett, do you have a take on on what you saw in their recent performance against Iowa? Keeping in mind that Iowa came in as basically the hottest team in the conference. And not only were they basically the hottest team in the conference, but they had the chance to lock up a, a double bye um, with with a win here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I Kofi had a pretty pretty good game. Ended up with 21 points uh, on nine to 17 shooting. Um, was was pretty much routinely getting exposed. I really liked what Iowa did in basically just keeping one of the Murrays out there at the five the entire time. And, and, you know, Rebraca played 22 minutes, but was, was pretty useless against the size. So you might as well. And, and I think this is something that's going to be replicated in, in the NCAA tournament is you just try and attack Kofi with size and with, with, with speed at the five is, is what I meant to say. And just hope that you can kind of gain leverage by, by driving on him or, or having a, a, a five man that can step out and shoot it. And, you know, Kofi, Kofi picked up, I, I think three fouls, uh, all, all pretty much as a result of just trying to, um, someone trying to drive on him and just getting bumped. Cause he's not laterally quick enough to keep up with someone like Chris Murray. But I mean, for all that, like, like you said, Iowa had a 15 point lead and just absolutely blew it. Um, they, it looked like in the second half that they were just running to run and not really with a purpose. They they would try and get out and transition and just kind of have no idea what to do when they got into their offensive half and would throw up a bad shot or turn the ball over. Um you know, 10 turnovers isn't isn't bad um in a in a game that's kind of up and down like this, but it felt like all of Iowa's turnovers came at really inopportune times. 
and they just kind of didn't know what to do in the second half. And then obviously you mentioned not only did they miss seven foul, seven free throws in the last two minutes, but they miss, they were 10 for 22 from the line overall. I mean, that's, that's hard to do. Um, you know, Keegan Murray missed, missed a big one that would have tied the game up late. Uh, Chris Murray missed three in a row. Uh, and Jordan Bohannon only played 14 minutes. He was limited with foul trouble and, and ineffective when he was on the floor anyways. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is that Tony Perkins really played a hell of a game. He had 17 points, eight rebounds or 12 rebounds and five assists. And, and that's kind of, you know, someone they're going to be counting on moving forward. But I mean, Iowa had, Iowa had several chances to win this game and, and couldn't get it done. So credit, credit to Illinois for holding serve at home, but I, I don't really, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but like they didn't really play well this game. I feel like we have been appropriately tough on Illinois over the course of the season, given their expectations and their talent level. And you're exactly right. Credit to Illinois for holding serve at home in both games this week when they didn't have their best. But without sounding as harsh as we've sounded over the course of this podcast on Illinois, it it feels like uh, the top of the conference kind of backed into their championships this week. Um, and it 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 doesn't I think if you were to talk to, you know, an Illinois, a Wisconsin or a Purdue fan, I don't know that any of them are feeling great, you know, about their prospects of a long tournament run um, right now, kind of, you know, wh- where they stand. And so with, with Illinois, though, you you see the formula, right? I mean, their offense can be explosive at times. Um, and, and they're figuring out how to win some of these games, you know, even marginally better than they have over the course of the Underwood era. So I think that's a sign for optimism. But, man, I agree with you. Like, Illinois did not win this game. Iowa lost it, coughed it up, perhaps even choked it away. Um, and I think that's really disappointing for them, given they had the opportunity at a, at a double bye here. Um, as, as I said, they were the hottest team in arguably the country coming into this. They they'd won eight of nine, um, highlighted by two wins earlier in the week. They beat Northwestern on Monday, and then they they went into Ann Arbor on Thursday, um, and and executed precisely on offense, um, and, and really ambushed the Wolverines, who really needed that game on on Thursday to kind of help their t- tournament bid. So kind of shifting from the Hawkeyes for a second, because that the, their performance on Thursday, you know, as I think you can heavily contrast it with what we just saw today, uh, Michigan uh, dispatched their rival in Michigan State um, in a game that wasn't really close on Tuesday. Um, it, and Hunter Dickinson had a had a career high uh, 33 points, I believe, um, and they got contributions from a lot of their role players to kind of um, not really have that game be close, you know, at all. Um, and then they come back, get trounced by Iowa. But I, I think we saw a lot from Michigan today going into Columbus, winning a game they needed to win to kind of seal a tournament bid for them without their best player, Hunter Dickinson. Uh, Brett, what are your thoughts on that Michigan-Ohio State game from earlier today? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's just Michigan showing up and, and doing exactly what they need to do. And it just this also added further credence to our theory that Ohio State plays exactly down uh, down or up to the level of competition that they are playing. Um, 
I mean, on paper, especially without Hunter Dickinson, this is one that, that the Buckeyes should have come away with. Um, and, you know, especially EJ Liddell only with 10 field goal attempts is, is what immediately stands out to me upon looking at this box score again. Um, but I will say, I think, I think, you know, a big thing, and I've, I've sort of been highlighting this and I know you have too, uh, over the last month or so is that Devonte Jones has really started playing like the guy Michigan fans expected him to be coming into this, to coming into this season. And in a game where Caleb Houston shoots 0 for 10 from the field, uh, getting big contributions from Devonte Jones and Musa Diabate is, is exactly what the Wolverines needed, uh, to come away with, with the win in Columbus today. And, and so we mentioned earlier, Ohio State, so I think they're in a stretch where they played six games in the last two weeks um, due to kind of um, bad luck with COVID pauses and, and weather rescheduled things that for the most part weren't really their, their fault. So uh, we had kind of put uh, we, we had given the warning last week that this game had the potential to be ugly. Uh, but looking at both Ohio State and Michigan State, who kind of ended up finishing six and seven, respectively, in the conference you got to think those two, those two teams kind of heading in the wrong direction um, right now relative to where they were uh, at the beginning of, of conference play when they were both viewed as, as title contenders. Uh, Michigan State goes one and two this week. Ohio State goes one and two this week as well. Ohio State's only win was actually over Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State, despite losing to Michigan and Ohio State, got a win over Maryland today to at least salvage a win. I mean, where do you think these fan bases are as far as their uh, March potential after kind of uh, limping into the end of the regular season? I don't I don't think anyone's super thrilled about it. You know, I think like we've said, and, and I think I think the best actual. The, the, yeah, the Ohio State obviously ends ends the season losing losing three or four after the big win over Illinois, which was just about 10 days ago for. You know, anyone that really wants to be kind of feel crazy about how how time has passed in in uh, this month. Um, but I mean, it it's it, they've obviously Ohio State found their second second option in Malachi Branham, who's had a who, very impressive season um, and, you know, m- has likely been bolstering his draft stock, honestly, which which probably few people expected coming into the season. But you know, two guys doesn't win you a whole lot of Big Ten games. And sure, Ohio State's twelve and eight in conference. They'll they'll finish as the I believe the would you say the sixth seed? And Correct, the sixth seed. I, I think that's, you know, kind of people expected them to kind of be in that four to six range. Um, but yeah, and I, I think I think it's too early to kind of be like, well, this is an indictment on Chris Holtman, but you know, nineteen and ten is is and twelve and eight is not uh not great for a team that kind of burst onto the scene by beating Duke back in November. And, and, and the thing I'll add, so I actually, I, I think these guys had title, conference title aspirations this year, but just for everyone to make sure they have proper context, everyone thought they'd have Justice Suing for the full year this yeah, year. Everyone thought point. they'd have Seth Towns. Um, Kyle Young did not play today. He's been on and off injured. Um, Zed Key has you know, been inconsistent. I mean, a lot of their role players uh, really have not played well. And it's a testament to kind of EJ Liddell's consistency that he's, um, I mean, yeah, they've had their fair share of games where, you know, they, you could have argued maybe it should have lost to inferior competition, but they've also had, 
you, you know, he's, he's done enough to make clutch shots to really keep them in the hunt for most of the year. Now they limped into the finish line, but um, I, I think just the nature of, you know, this team, yeah, they play, they play down to competition sometimes, but they, they play up to competition too. And that's why I actually think they, you know, we'll talk about this, um, you know, over the course of the next couple of weeks, but their, their ceiling in March might be just as high as anyone else's in the conference. I don't think you can say the same thing for Michigan State. Um, we knew we were, I think, properly cautious of their performance at the beginning of the conference season just because of their schedule. Um, and I think, you know, when the schedule was kind of backloaded at the end, they um, performed in, in a way you'd expect. And so, again, less surprised, but disappointing nonetheless. Um, before we wrap this section up here, We've spent almost 20 minutes talking and have not talked about the four seed in the conference, which is your Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I don't think anyone would have predicted this when the calendar flipped to 2022 at the beginning of conference season. But Rutgers arguably got, I mean, aside from Michigan's win over Ohio State that we just talked about, I mean, Rutgers probably got their the biggest bubble win of the year going into Bloomington and winning on Wednesday, which was a wacky game in its own right. I mean, Paul Mulcahy got ejected. Uh, Cliff Amarie, who's like a very pedestrian free throw shooter, made four big free throws down the stretch there. Uh, Indiana tied it with a three that uh, on a possession where they had like three different, they had three shots at, at a tie. And then, you know, Ron Harper came and, and made the uh, the go-ahead shot at the end there to, to get them that win. Uh, but Rutgers in prime position right now, IU on the outside. Um, looking in probably what are your takeaways from those two teams and, and their matchup in particular? Yeah. I mean, credit, credit to Steve Peichel and crew, man. Like it's never easy to win in Bloomington. It's especially not easy to win when your season is on the line uh, after a, after a very impressive run of games. But, you know, even, even kind of going into that game, Rutgers set at 16 and 12, 10 and eight. And yeah, I, I think most, most sites kind of had them on the like first four out, uh, list um but that that got them all the way i mean you know probably one of the last four teams in still but that's that's a big win for them and you know that it, it takes it took a lot for that team to kind of and they, they shot the ball pretty well uh including eight of 18 from three that game and and you know punctuated by ron harper's emphatic sam cassell dance celebration which you know i always i always love but and i guess on the on the flip side you know if you're indiana I, I don't know that you're that surprised given how the last 10 years of Indiana basketball have been, but like, I mean, what a, what a fall from grace, so to speak. Um, Indiana is obviously enough now finished the the conference season at nine and 11, 18 and 12 overall. And I'm looking at the schedule. And I, I mean, they've got the Purdue win, they've got the Ohio state win. Like that's it. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't see it. And for a t- for a team with a guy that's going to end up, you know, on on first team All Big Ten likely with Trace Jackson Davis, like, and and other proven college talent around him, and in theory an NBA level head coach, I don't know that you can look at the season as anything but a pretty solid, pretty big disappointment. Well, okay, first of all, I I don't know that Trace Jackson Davis is going to end up as a first team All Big Ten, uh, just predominantly yeah, because there's enough. a lot of lot of talent around the conference, but um, you have to. Remember, this is year one, you know, 
Yeah, I, I think you have to look at the season as a little bit of a disappointment, um, especially just given how they started. But, you know, it, it's year one. I still think they have some momentum they can build on on this. Um, and I think the thing that we should remind everyone, and this will be a great t- transition to talk about next week, is they still have the Big Ten tournament where they'll potentially have opportunities to beat tournament teams. Um, and so with that, we will close the book on the season, at least the regular season, um, and, and get to our preview of the Big Ten tournament. Um, and so we're really going to focus on kind of Wednesday through Friday's potential matchups. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll try to spend most of the time on the most important ones. Um, and so starting on Wednesday, um, we have kind of Northwestern, who, um, you know, started off with a little bit of optimism, but kind of really faded down the stretch. They come in as the 12 seed. Nebraska, with their recent three-game win streak, comes in as the 13 seed. So those two will face off. And then Penn State, who um, got the raw end of their tiebreaker with Maryland, has to play on day one as the 11 seed, and they take on Minnesota as the 14 seed. I mean, I don't know that these are you know games that people are going to be lining up to watch, but um, I am kind of interested in hearing your thoughts on both Nebraska's uh, – shot at kind of continuing this hot streak and maybe pulling off an upset or two, as well as just Penn State's staying power, given how tough they play um, and the fact that no one really probably wants to play them uh, in their first game in the tournament. Oh, yeah. If, if I'm Ohio State, I'm I'm very scared of, of this of this Penn State game, because not only are they going to play tough, but losing to this Penn State team on a neutral floor is not going to look good for the advanced metrics. And I, I believe that Ohio Penn State has a win over – no, never mind. They played two two very close games. They they lost by uh, a twelve point game that was kind of not as not as far apart as the score indicates, and then uh, by by five to to Ohio State. So they've they've given Ohio State some some fight. Um, and I think I think Penn State should be able to kind of control the game uh, against Minnesota. Um, Minnesota is just out of gas at this point. Um, and it, you know they fought valiantly for for the entire year, but uh, only playing seven guys will will really kind of only get you so far. Um, so I think, I think, I think Penn state really has the potential to, to make life miserable for Ohio state. Um, you'd expect EJ Liddell and, and Malachi Branham to kind of rise to the occasion and, and get it done. But, and it's not, you know, it's not going to not knock Ohio state out of the tournament by any means to, to lose that game, but they, they would probably lose at least one seed line. Um, and so then, then it flips to Nebraska. I mean, obviously Nebraska's won three in a row. Alonzo Verge is playing really good basketball. Bryce McGowan's being out is a, is a situation to monitor. Um, and, you know, if Verge isn't playing well, nothing's going to happen for this team. I think, you know, Northwestern will have will be able to throw Chase Audige at him, um, and that's kind of what I would expect. And so, you know, we'll we'll kind of see see what happens there. Um, but I, I I expect Nebraska to to kind of keep the momentum up, um, unless you know Audige and and Boo Booey and and Nance can really get it going. Uh, and that would set up a very interesting second round game uh, with with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, well, and I, I think, um, and, and moving to Thursday, I think it's actually going to be a popular talking point that, hey, what's Nebraska's, you know, upset potential over the, the course of the week here, just given um, given their, I don't want to call it a flashy win over Wisconsin, but given the the headline where they went over Wisconsin. Um, and and I, I would love to see kind of a uh, uh, an Iowa team that's taken one on the chin 
um, and probably a little bit of sh- in a little bit of shock of at, at how their big kind of losing streak came to an end. Not necessarily going up against their rival, but going up against their manufactured rival in Nebraska is on a hot streak. I I, I love the idea of getting that as a, a kind of sneaky yeah. close Thursday game. Play 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 the over in that one. Uh, but I think the the real game for us on Thursday um, is going to be this Michigan Indiana game, which will be the first game of the day. Um, I don't know that it's a, I mean, it's not really a bubble elimination game because I think even if Michigan loses, they'll probably still be in okay shape, but um, Indiana needs this to keep their tournament hopes alive. Um, And so plenty to play for, I think on both sides, Um, it'll be Jawan Howard's first game back. Um, Indiana and Michigan only played once in Bloomington and Michigan took it to them that game. But I, I guess how do you think Indiana matches up as far as their ability to, I guess I'll call it pulling off the upset since they won't likely be the favorite in that game? You know, yeah, I mean, obviously things things really start with, with Trace Jackson Davis for, uh, for Indiana, but honestly, uh, a kind of underrated contributor recently has, for, for, um, for Indiana has been uh, Xavier Johnson. He's been scoring in double figures. He's been way more efficient from the field, uh, and he looks like he's just taking care of the ball better. Um, but uh, something something else I think is really going to – something else to really watch would be the matchup of Race Thompson and Musa Diabate. Um, Thompson's kind of one of those guys that always has flown under the radar because he's not a very dynamic offensive threat. He doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. But, I mean, he's 6'8", 230, matches up you know fairly well with Diabate, and who's been coming on really strong for Michigan – and I think that, you know, if, if Thompson can kind of get Diabate in foul trouble, as, as has been a, an issue with Diabate at times this season, or especially early, uh, they might be able to kind of take advantage on the boards. But you're going to need you're going to need some sort of guard play. And if, if Parker Stewart and, and Xavier Johnson aren't aren't playing really well, I, I think Devontae Jones could have a big game. And uh, Dickinson obviously will be looking to get his, too, especially if he's back from his his ailment uh, that cost him the game today. And and I think that's that's an underrated key to watch for as for watching the the news lines early in this week. Hunter Dickinson's availability because I think that that changes the whole dynamic of the game. Um, if if Michigan does not have Hunter Dickinson, the advantage down low goes to Indiana um, with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, as you mentioned. Um, and and for Indiana, it's after that it's really going to come down to you know can they make shots. Um, it's important, you know, this game, the tournament's taking place in Indianapolis this year. So even though it's an early start, Indiana should have, for, for that 8-9 game in particular, you know, they should have the advantage as, as far as the, the fans in the stand there. But I'll, I'll leave you with, with one stat for this game, which I always find it interesting around this time of year. But Michigan has not lost their first game in in the Big Ten tournament since the pre B line days. So that's over like 10 plus years of which they have always won at least their first game in the big 10 tournament. It's a meaningless stat in the context of everything going on this year, but nonetheless, one of those fun ones to watch. Uh, also on that first day, we get kind of a, a pseudo rematch here of Michigan state and Maryland who, who just played earlier today. We've, we've talked all year about how, Maryland has a disproportionate amount of talent relative to their record. Uh, like based on the talent on the team, they, they should have a better record than they have, uh, which, which makes them kind of dangerous. Um, 
I feel like in a in a in a game like in a game like this in in a tournament like this. But at the same time, it, it's hard for me to think that Tom Izzo is going to get out coached against Danny Manning, um, despite that. I, I don't want to call it a talent advantage, but just the the um, the superstar like one on one capability advantage that a lot of these Maryland guys have over Michigan State. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, Michigan State definitely plays better team basketball, um, but Fats Russell can can swing any game, uh, you know, as as we've seen several times this year. And it's it's good to see Eric Ayala back uh, 19 points uh, earlier today in their their loss to Michigan State. Uh, but on on the flip side, you know, you're going to get a lot of contributions from a lot of different guys on on uh, on Michigan State. They had they had what three? Eight, they had nine guys play double digit minutes today. And they can throw a bunch of different looks, especially at, at Wahab and, and Ayala with uh, some of their some of their wings. So, you know, you'll be looking for for Gabe Brown to kind of make his mark on the game and, and for Max Christie to get going. But again, the point guard play is going to be super important. Um, so I, I think we'll see a, a bigger dose of A.J. Haggard just from a defensive standpoint on Fats Russell. Um, and he's been he's been playing a little bit better recently, uh, still not as effective on offense. So. You know, it'll be interesting to see how Izzo splits those those point those point guard minutes, especially. And then uh, our our final set of words here on the on the Big Ten tournament, we'll we'll talk about the the the, the powerhouses who don't play until Friday. I think broadly, the, the team that I'm actually watching for out of the kind of slated double bide teams is Purdue. Uh, mm-hmm. Purdue kind of been out of the headlines for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, even though a week feels like a year in this conference season, uh, you got Purdue in what's likely going to be a, a winnable matchup for them, you know, either against, you know, Ohio State or a team that's played two games. Uh, and I like Purdue in that matchup. And then an opportunity to avenge um, a, a season sweep against Wisconsin. It's really hard to beat a team. Uh, three times in a year, which that will be Wisconsin's task, uh, assuming they can get through their game. Um, I, I really like Purdue's draw to get to the conference final here uh, and, and sort of get themselves right uh, heading into March, where I, I still truly believe that Purdue, I think, has the highest ceiling of any Big Ten team here. Um, they, they execute their offense um, exquisitely. They just kind of can't seem to, to close games down the stretch, don't get me wrong, it's a problem, but I, I like this team just surely on on their talent. Uh, the the other potential game that I'm watching for is is that first game for Illinois. I mean, we we talk a lot about their issues with their inconsistency, and I, I feel like they're going to be very vulnerable whether they're playing a, a Michigan team who will really really want to take it to them, or an Indiana team that's desperate for a tournament bid uh, and, and will need that game probably to get over the hump if they beat Michigan. So those are really the the kind of two teams I've got my eyes on. Uh, what are you looking at as far as the the teams out there playing on Friday? Yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna see. You know, if if we get another Rutgers Iowa game, I'm interested to see what tempo that that is played at because you, I, I assume the team that dictates the tempo in that game will will dictate uh, who wins. You know, as we saw Rutgers come away with a 48 to 46 win uh, at the rack. Um, and then, I mean, the other, the, the big thing hanging over the, the lower side of the bracket, in my opinion, is the health of Johnny Davis. Um, you know, ankle sprains can be, can be very annoying to come back from. Um, and personally, as a Wisconsin fan, I kind of like this draw a little bit better. Um, 
I, I just personally want no part of another Wisconsin-Michigan game until until next year just to kind of let everything clear the air and, and, and you know, get get back to focusing on the actual stuff on, that happens on the court. Um, so I think – but I think, you know, if, if Davis can't, can't suit up on, on Friday, the, the Maryland-Michigan State game is definitely winnable, um, but it will be obviously made, made a lot tougher, especially with Lauren Bowman still out for Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think if if you made me pick right now, I think I also like Purdue's draw the best. Um, I'm very intrigued if they if they play Ohio State, it's just going to be a matchup of two teams that cannot, for the life of them, defend a ball screen. So uh, I think I think we'll see some interesting wrinkles there. But they have Purdue has the size to match up with Liddell and uh, and kind of keep him working for his points at least. Uh, whereas I, I don't think that Ohio State has much in the way of of a Jaden Ivey stopper. Um, so yeah, and then I think you know Illinois, Illinois, Michigan would be another fun matchup, um, you know, with, with two of the conference's premier big big guys, and yeah, I mean, I think I think anything is possible except for you know maybe Minnesota winning the tournament. And and there you go, the the final wise words from Brett. Semifinals on Saturday as they usually are with the championship uh, closing out. Sunday at 3.30 Eastern, the last championship to complete of all the conferences per usual in the Big Ten. Uh, thank you all for tuning, with, uh, tuning in uh, with us uh, for the entirety of the regular season. We will be with you again uh, broadcasting Sunday after everything goes down this week and previewing the bracket that comes out. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we will... Uh, we will put out another show soon. Um, and don't forget, this is March.